welcome to Grace Life Church Podcast. If you would like any more information about us, please visit our website, gracelife.com.au. My name's Tyler. I'm part of the Grace Life uh, family here. I do a bit with the children's ministry and I do a bit with the youth ministry as well. And I just want to say thank you for the opportunity of letting me come up here and share with you guys today. And I don't take this opportunity lightly uh, being up here. I'm not up here to glorify myself or I'm not up here to be a stage presence for myself. But I really feel like what uh, I'm sharing today is something that God's really been speaking to me about throughout this week. And I've been putting a lot of prayer and time into it. And I really don't take up uh, being up here. I really don't take that lightly. So I just wanted to put that out first, and I wanted to start with prayer as well. Thank you for today, and I thank you that this is a place that we get to come and sit and be in your presence, and we get to worship you, Lord. And I pray as I'm up here that you use me as a voice, Lord, you use me as a... um. Yeah, just as a um, projection of you, Lord, that nothing I say here is uh, out of your grasp, Lord. Nothing I say here is out of you, but it's all from you, Lord. So I pray that you guide me and uh, you give me strength this morning. In your holy name we pray. Amen. So last week when Scotty was like, uh, Tyler's going to come up and speak next week, that took me off guard because I actually thought I was next week. So I had to like really knuckle down in that point. I was like, okay. I'm going to block out what Scott's saying. I'm going to focus on my message. I'm going to write it right then and there. And then I stopped writing my own message, and I was listening to Scott, and I was going, actually, I might just copy everything that he said. This is a real good message. He had some real good points. I thought I might just regurgitate that, right? But uh, I got to the Sunday, and I had no idea what I was going to speak on. I had a little bit of an idea, but not much. And um, I didn't have anything till after that point. But firstly, I want to bring up a question. Uh, I don't know if this one's just for the men. It might be for the girls as well. But why do we not look at instructions when we go to build furniture? Why is that a thing? Is that a thing that, right? Is anyone else annoyed by that? Yeah, I tend to, I know that it frustrates me. I know the process of this whole thing, yet I still won't look at the instructions, right? Why is that something we do? Why is that something that we still tend to do, not look at the instructions? See, Sunday night, uh, it came to about 11.30, and uh, I just bought this new piece of furniture. Now, this furniture, you're going to find out, was hard to build. When I say furniture that's hard to build, what do you think of? Uh, The Swedes, right? Ikea, yeah? And what I I don't get about Ikea, man, you're building the Ikea. What I hate about Ikea instructions, they've got the people on them. And they've got such a condescending face. First of all, they're smiling. No one smiles while building IKEA furniture. They've got a hammer. I've, I don't know if I'm building it wrong, but they're always holding a hammer or a saw. I've never used either of those things while building IKEA furniture. And there's always two of them smiling. Has anyone built IKEA furniture with a partner or whatever? Have you been smiling by the end of it? Oh, yeah? Oh, you're doing it different to me. Uh, <laughs> we're doing different things. So, right, I think IKEA might be hard. You know what I might, I think, might have one step up? Kmart furniture, right? It's underlying. You don't, you don't think it's going to be tricky. You go, oh, this was a $35 thing. How hard can it be? It has a normal name, unlike the IKEA furniture. Oh, normal name in, in, in other languages. But for me, I can understand this name. Surely it can't be that hard. So there I was, 11.30 at night, 
building a piece of Kmart furniture. It was, uh, oh, still is, thankfully. It's a um, clothing rack that hangs all my coats on it and it has a whole lot of compartments down the bottom. Very, very tricky, right? 35 bucks, I thought, how hard can this be? Instructions, see you later. I'm looking at the picture, that's all I need. And I start, I'm 20 minutes in, and I'm going, this is going swimmingly. This is going great. I'll have this knocked out by 12 o'clock. I'll be admiring it. I'll be in bed. This will be great. I get to the point where I finished all the compartments down the bottom. I know it needs to sit about this high because I'm looking at the picture. And all I've got left is like two connectors and two pipes like this big. And I'm like, oh, I kind of stuffed up. Surely I've, surely I've got it right. That doesn't even make sense in my head. First, I start blaming Kmart because that's the classic move. Start blaming them or they forgot the pieces. I'm trying to build it. I can't figure out how to get it to where I want. So I go, all right, I'm going to take a quick, quick look at the instructions, right? No one will know. How weird is that? Why do we give ourselves a, a cheat? We're allowed to look at the instructions, right? No one's there with me. It's 11, what, it's 12 o'clock at night by this point. No one cares. But I go, all right, I have a quick peek. It doesn't count. I have a look. Anyway, an hour and a half later, I'm so reliant on these instructions that I can't do anything without checking back to them first. I had to take this whole thing apart multiple times and put it back together. I, I was stressed, worried, I was angry. I forgot who I was, forgot what my name was. I was confused. It's, it's now getting close to two o'clock in the morning. My homemate, uh, my homemate, my roommate's asleep. I've been dropping stuff. I'm angry, I'm frustrated. The things won't go in, they forgot parts. I'm blaming it all on the things, and in this moment of me being vulnerable, God's like, this is what I want you to speak on. I'm thankful God didn't audibly speak to me in that moment, because that would have been, I was way too vulnerable for that, to hear the audible voice of God going, this is what I want you to speak on. But he's going, see how you are with these instructions. At first, you were defiant with these instructions. You didn't want a part of them. You thought you could do it by yourself, and you get to building this furniture and you get to the point where you're not wanting to move without checking back to the instructions. The instructions are there to guide us, to help us, and to instruct us. And God's like, this is what um, I want you to speak on. I want you to speak on the fact that you need to rely on me, that you need to be reliant on me. So my first point of today is uh, being reliant, not defiant. Right? Because why do we defy the instructions? They're not there to misguide us. They're not there to trip us up. They're there to help us from the start. So why do, we, uh, why do we not look at the instructions? Why do we not want the instructions? Being reliant, uh, not defiant. Maybe this is more about us humbling ourselves before God and saying, I actually need you and acknowledging the fact that we actually need the instructions. Sure, we might be able to do it ourselves sometimes. Sure, we might be able to get uh, up to a certain point by ourselves sometimes. But what's the harm in, in going with the instructions and relying on the instructions? Uh, when talking about this being reliant and not defiant, uh, God brought me to the book of Samuel, which I'm thankful for. I really, really love uh, the book of Samuel, and in particular, the story of David and Goliath. So I want to speak on that. First uh, Samuel 17. little backstory here. Oh, actually, I'll read first, and then I might, I might go back to a little backstory. So, 1 Samuel 17. 
The Philistines now mustered their army. Also, I apologize. I'm going to mispronounce a whole lot of places wrong. So if we've got any like Bible nerds here that like know all the names, I'm going to mispronounce all of them and annoy you. I'm sorry for that. I'll do my best. So the Philistines now mustered their army for battle and camped between Soko in Judah and Azekah at Ephes Damin. Yep. Saul counted by gathering his Israelite troops near the valley of Ella. So the Philistines and the Israelites faced each other on opposite hills with the valley between them. So you've got Philistines, a group of people who uh, are known for defying God and are known for uh, not following in God's plan. I'm going to move this in the middle because I feel like I'm preaching to one side. And uh, they're known for going against God and God's people. And then you've got the Israelites who here have got, uh, are led by King Saul. We're going to talk a little bit about him later. But they're led by King Saul, and they've counted by coming on an opposing hill. So you've got the Philistines attacking on one hill, the Israelites defending on the other hill, and a valley in between them. Then Goliath, a Philistine champion from Gath, came out of the Philistine ranks to face the forces of Israel. He was over nine feet tall. He wore a bronze helmet. And his bronze coat of mail weighed 125 pounds. He also wore bronze leg armor, and he carried a bronze javelin on his shoulder. The shaft of the spear was as heavy and as thick as a weaver's beam, tipped with an iron spearhead that weighed 15 pounds. His armor bearer walked ahead of him, carrying a shield. Goliath stood and shouted a taunt across the Israelites, Why are you all coming out to fight? he called. I am the Philistine champion, but you are only the servants of Saul. Choose one man to come down here and fight me. If he kills me, then we will be your slaves. But if I kill him, you will be our slaves. I defy. I defy the armies of Israel today. Send me a man who will fight me. When Saul and the Israelites heard this, they were terrified and they were deeply shaken. This goes on for 40 days. This goes on for 40 days here. You've got Goliath coming out to taunt uh, the Israelites and to taunt Saul and going, I am the one who defies God's army. That's who I am. I am Goliath. He, he's tall. He's uh, been a hunter and he's been a warrior uh, since his youth. He goes out there and taunts them and they're too scared to come out and face him. Then we bring David into the story. Uh, David's just this young lad. He's got a whole lot of older brothers that are at Saul's camp at the moment. Now, they've gone out and they're, they're part of his army because they're old enough to fight. But you've got David who's seen, uh, he's underwhelmed. He's seen as a guy who's underrated. He's just the younger brother that's too weak to go out and fight. Uh, no one appreciates his strength and he's left to just go uh, guide the sheep. And one day his dad goes, all right, I need you to take this bread and you're going to go deliver this to your brothers. You're going to go feed your brothers. That's what I want you to do. Get this bread. Uh, he brings the bread to his brothers and he sees Goliath. He sees Goliath taunting God. And David puts his foot down. He's like, I'm not going to have that. I'm not going to allow that. So David, who was a man of God, then goes up to Saul. We're going to continue reading in uh, chapter, uh, in verse 32. This is David speaking to Saul. Don't worry about the Philistine, David told Saul, the king. I'll go fight him. Don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. There's no way you can fight the Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy and he has been a man of war since his youth. 
But David persisted. I have been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said. When a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. I have done this to both lions and bears, and I will do it again to this pagan Philistine too, for he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. Saul finally consented. All right, go ahead, he said, and may the Lord be with you. Then Saul gave David his own armor, a bronze helmet and a coat of mail. David put it on, strapped the sword on it, and took a step or two to see what it was like, for he had never worn such things before. I can't go in these, he protested to Saul. I'm not used to them. So David took them off again. He picked up five smooth stones, uh, smooth stones from a stream and put them into his shepherd's bag. Then armed with only a shepherd's staff and a sling, he started across the valley to fight the Philistine. Goliath walked out towards David with his shield bearer ahead of him, sneering in contempt at his ruddy-faced boy. Am I a dog, he roared at David, that you come at me with a stick? And he cursed David by the names of his gods. Come over here, I'll give you your flesh to the birds and the wild animals, Goliath yelled. David replied to the Philistine, you come at me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, but I come at you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel who you have defied. Today the Lord will conquer you, and I will kill you and cut off your head, and then I will give your dead bodies to the men, uh, I'll give your dead bodies of your men to the birds and the wild animals. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not with the sword and the spear. This is the Lord's battle, and he will give you to us. As Goliath moved closer to attack, David quickly ran out to meet him. Reaching into his shepherd's bag and taking out a stone, he hurled it with his sling. Being defiant is not the way. We need to be reliant on God. We see here further up, David's already relied on God in situations. We already see that David's a man that knows how important it is to rely on God. He's been out defending sheep by himself as a young boy, and he's had to take care of lions. He's had to take care of wolves and protect, and he's acknowledged that that's God who's helping him do that. That's God where he's being reliant on. We already see that further up, and he gives glory uh, to God with that. Then we see that Saul finally lets David go. He goes, all right, I'll let you go, but take this. And he gives him an armor, and he gives him a sword. David says no to this. I don't know about you, but that seems crazy to me. I'd be going, man, I, I understand God's got my back, but I don't want to be stupid, right? If I'm going out to fight Goliath, I don't want to just be wearing, I don't know what they wore back then, a tunic? I don't want to be just be wearing a tunic. I want to be wearing a chest plate at least and a sword. How am I going to fight this without a sword? But when we're relying on God, we don't want to back up. If, you, if David went, yeah, okay, I'm going to take your shield, I'm going to take your armor, what he's really saying there is he's going, God, I know you've got this, but just in case you don't, I'm going to take this for me. Is that really being reliant on God? Is that really what we're called to be? And is that really the faith that we're called to have as people and as children of God? Is that what we're called to have? A backup plan? I don't know about you, but the God that I serve, I don't need a backup plan. I don't need another set of armor just in case he doesn't come through. 
that, that's not what I want. That's not a faith that I want to have. Um, and he sees Goliath. He sees that this is an act of defiance. See, David understands that this battle is not between David and Goliath. That's not what this battle is about. It's not between the Philistines and the Israelites. That's not what this is about. This is about God and defiance. This is about God and a group of people who defy him. As Goliath moved closer to attack, David quickly ran out to meet him. Reaching into his shepherd's bag and taking out a stone, he hurled it with his sling and hit the Philistine in the forehead. The stone sank in, and Goliath stumbled and fell face down onto the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with only a sling and a stone, for he had no sword. Then David ran over, pulled out Goliath's sword from its sheath. David used it to kill him and cut off his head. There is a power in being reliant on God. Being reliant on God is not necessarily the safe option. It's not us holding back and waiting. It's not us um, taking the easy way out. There is a power and a strength in being reliant on God. And David understood this. When David denied the armor, when he said no to the armor, he was showing that he was dependent on God, not depending on the situation. I want to bring that up as my next point, is I feel like, We're called to be dependent on God, not depending on the situation. When I was building uh, this furniture, I got up to the clothing rack. I had to dismantle it. Spoiler alert, because I did it wrong. And it got up to a point where it told me to, uh, it it told me to, it kind of had like, fabric in between and that's what I can sit stuff on it's almost like a hammock it's got like little hammock layers between and it said what you need to do is you need to build it up from the floor up and I looked at that and I was like yeah cool I like that idea nice job instructions but what I think I'm going to do is I'm going to do it my own way and what I did is I built the layers and then tried to squeeze them all together on one right turns out there's a reason the instructions said it this way because when I tried to do it my way, the tension that the cloth was putting on squeezed the poles and I couldn't actually get them on, right? I was dependent on the instructions, depending on the situation. As soon as I felt like I could do it better, uh, I went and did my own thing, which meant I had to go back and undo it. And I feel like God's done that with me before, where I've tried, I've gone, God, cool, I like what you're doing here. I like that, thumbs up, cool, I'm happy to do that. I, I can do it a little bit better, though. I reckon I can do it a little bit better. I reckon I do it a little bit faster. And it always ends up with God going, cool, you can do that, go for it. And then eventually it doesn't work out and God's got to then take the time to unpack it, move it back, and we start from where God said and then we go from there. Dependent, not depending on the situation. How are we being dependent on God when some of us are still holding back? How are we being dependent on God uh, when we're willing to listen We're willing for God to do stuff with us and move with us until we think we know better, until we think that we've got the upper hand. Um, The idea God gave me when reading this story again of David and Goliath is uh, something I hadn't thought about before. And I was reading it and going, I wonder if this story was actually supposed to be called Saul and Goliath. The idea of Saul and Goliath. See, Saul... 
was the king of that time. And he wasn't an old king. He wasn't a great king by then. We read a couple of chapters earlier. He's actually just gone and conquered a land under God's grace. He's still a king that's fit and ready to fight. But why was David, just a young boy, the one going out, being reliant on God? Where was Saul? Why was Saul afraid? I want to move uh, back a chapter. We're going to get a little backstory in uh, Saul chapter... No, Samuel, sorry. Samuel chapter 15, verse 10. No, we're going to read to 10. Okay, so Saul, this is about Saul. One day Samuel, Samuel was a prophet uh, of that time. He was a man that was known to speak with God often and to hear clearly from God. He was like kind of an elder of that time. And one day Samuel said to Saul, it was the Lord who told me to anoint you as king of his people of Israel. Now listen to this message from the Lord. This is what the Lord of Heaven's, uh, the Lord of Heaven's armies has declared. I've decided to settle accounts with the nation of Amalek for opposing Israel when they came from Egypt. Now go and completely destroy the entire Amalekite nation. That's a key thing to remember. God's told him to completely destroy it. Men, women, children, babies, cattle, sheep, goats, camels, donkeys, all of it. So Saul mobilized his army at Telaim. And there were 200,000 soldiers from Israel and 10,000 men from Judah. Then Saul and his army went to a town of the Amalekites and laid in wait in the valley. Saul sent the warning to the Canaanites, move away from where the Amalekites live or you will die with them. For you showed kindness to all people of Israel when they came up from Egypt. So the Canaanites packed up and left. Then... Saul slaughtered the Amalekites from Havilah all the way to Shur, east of Egypt. He captured Agag, the Amalekite king, but completely destroyed everyone else. So far, so good. He's doing the right thing. Then, uh uh-oh, Saul and his men spared Agag's life and kept the best of the sheep and the goats and the cattle and the fat calves and the lambs. Everything, in fact, that appealed to them. They destroyed only what was worthless or of poor quality. In these times, livestock, which like cattle, sheep, uh, I don't know, livestock things, animals, moo, whatever it is, that stuff is really important. That's a currency to them. That's what they use is not only their food, but it's their protection. It's their currency. That's what they use to pay for things. So that's something that they hold really close. That's something that they really protect. You know, you never know when the next thing's going to happen, when you're going to get raided and you're going to lose your livestock, when famine's going to come in, when a virus is going to come through and shake out all your cattle. You never know when that's going to happen. So here Saul's faced with the dilemma of being dependent on God. He's dependent to win this battle over the Amalekites. But then as soon as push comes to shove, he goes, oh, this is pretty tempting. I don't know when the next time is when I'm going to get my next food. I don't know when I'm going to next get to be able to replenish my livestock you know we'll get rid of all the bad ones of course you know God told us to get rid of them but I'll keep some of the the good ones we read on then the Lord said to Samuel I'm sorry that I ever made Saul king for he has not been loyal to me and has refused to obey my command he was dependent until the situation changed and that changed Saul's outcome Uh, when I was driving in the car going over this God sparked something in me, and I was like, whew, that hurts a little bit. That, this idea that how many of us um, are wanting to face giants, but we're not able to face them because we're not being dependent on God. 
You know, Saul didn't get to face that giant. That wasn't a giant that Saul got to conquer. And is that because he wasn't reliant or depending on God? So how many giants are we facing that we want to overcome, but we're not being reliant or depending on God? We're still holding back going, oh, God, I want to give this giant to you, but I still want to wear that armor just in case. You know, I want to be dependent on you, depending on whether it goes right or wrong, you know? I was so encouraged um, last week. You know, something I've been struggling with is that. This whole talk is not something that, like, I'm not coming up here saying, oh, yeah, this is something I'm good. Like, I'm so good at relying on God. Like, I am the prime example of relying on God. I'm not up here saying that. This is something that God's been speaking into me, and this is all coming out of a place of, um, this is my journey, like what, what I'm kind of figuring out at the moment. And uh, sometimes it's really hard to see the bigger picture and it's really hard to depend on God when you don't know the full picture, when God's timing can be so slow, but like Ali said, it's so perfect at the same time. Maybe God's timing is a whole lot faster than you thought, but we've got to remember it's so perfect at the same time. Um, and a lot of the times it can feel like you're taking a risk with God. Like, it's a big risk you got to take. And I was really encouraged last week when, uh, when Andrew got up to share about just being in a place of, it came from a place of being a risk taker and you're taking risks and stepping out and keep going forward. And then he took a time where he goes, all right, I just want to take a chill. I just want to go back and I want to be, you know, play it safe. But he's come to the, the place of going, no, man, that's, that's not what we're called to be. I want to be out here. I want to be continue taking risks for God. I want to keep going, settling out. Like, I'm not going to settle for where I'm just at. I want to keep pushing forward and staying with God and moving forward. And that was such an encouragement to hear because I'm like, man, that's what I got to be doing. I, I never just want to sit back and take it easy and take a break and put on the handbrake. I want to be constantly going out and taking risks. I, I don't want to be just be sitting back and not doing anything and relaxing. And something God said to me as well is he's like, I want you to be abiding in me, not idling. I want you to be abiding in me not idling in my presence you know I I want you to be moving with me I want you to be reliant on me dependent on me stuck in me not just sitting back and taking it chill not just sitting back and taking it easy I don't want my relationship with God to look like me just sitting in a hammock relaxing right just kind of sitting there doing nothing relaxing what I want my relationship to be with God I, I want him to be I want to be in his spirit and in his shadow so wherever he moves, I move. And, and I want to be in fear of him moving and me being out of that shadow. That's, what, that's the kind of place that I want to be where I'm constantly moving with him. Because guess what? Even though we're abiding in God, even though we're being reliant on God, even though we're being dependent on God, things can still get uncomfortable. And is that something we're okay with? Right? Like if, if we're still listening and trusting in God, things can sometimes get a little bit uncomfortable. When Alison shared just then, you know, she, she was in a place where she's leaning in God and going, all right, God, you know, I've got this situation. It's a little bit uncomfortable and it's going to be way more uncomfortable without you, God. I, I, need, I need you with me here to help use my words and I need you. And then the character development to go through and make this situation better. Yeah, I'm sure that situation was uncomfortable, right? It was an uncomfortable situation But when you're moving in the presence of God, are we really taking risks there? See, the instructions for this furniture were never going to build it for me, right? As nice as that would be. You know, the instructions know how to do it. 
the instructions were never going to build the furniture for me. I actually had to go and do something. I actually had to go and, and make a physical movement to go and build this furniture. David was reliant. He was abiding. He was depending on God, and he still had to go into the valley. He still had to go and meet Goliath. What, as nice as that would have been for David to be like, all right, God, I trust in you and everything. Just wipe them out like you did the dinosaurs, you know? Meteor, straight up, boom. And then David didn't have to do anything. But no, David still had to go into the valley and fight Goliath. We still have to go into situations that might make us a little bit uncomfortable. Where we might feel like we're taking a risk. But I want to be with God in his shadow going, wherever you go, I go. You know, if, if God's going, all right, this line of work that you're in, drop it. We're going over here. We're doing a new job. I want to be like, that's cool. As long as I'm in your shadow, as long as I'm in your spirit, that's where I want to move. If God's like, cool, we're going to a different church. Let's go up and move. That's where we're going. I'm going, cool. As long as I'm with you, God, I'm not taking risks. Because, you know, we call it taking risks, but a risk is defined as someone putting themselves in a position that is likely to cause danger or harm. And that doesn't sound like the plan that my God's got for me. That doesn't sound like something my God's going to do to me. Put me in a position of danger and harm. He has a plan for me, not only for me, but for us, that is so much better than what we can think of. That's so much better for us. And even though we might not see the bigger picture, even though we might not understand it fully, even though the timing might not be one that we like, it's so much better for us. So I encourage us that it's not taking risks. I think it's taking acts of faith, which is what we're all about. So I was really encouraged this week to be reliant, not defiant. To be dependent on God, not depending on the situation. And to abide in God and not just stay still, not just idle, but actually sit with Him and move with Him. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast from Grace Life Church. For more information about us or any of our services, please visit our website at gracelife.com.au.